0: This is Stephen Adams, and this is Kevin Durant, oh sorry, <laughs> Kevin Durant, <laughs>
1: you're
0: Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you mate, different complexion, okay let's go, so this is Stephen Adams, and this is Enes Cantor. you're listening or to the Down to Earth, Down to Dunk podcast, what? Down to, down to Dunk, Down to Dunk, I'll down say that, dunk. introduce yourself mate, here's two Adams and I'm Enes Cantor and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast, stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dun. This is your host Andrew Schleich and with me Adam Joseph. Adam, how's it going, man?
1: Oh man, I'm I'm a little depressed, but I'm okay. You know, I'm sitting in bed trying to, to process the loss that we all just went through as there's a uh, thunder people but um i'm not too bad how are you
0: well i'm about to experience my monday it's 6:54 a.m here in oklahoma city and i know that you're you're uh, wrapping up monday uh and i hope that i can also get through monday like you did <laughs> uh
1: yeah just just steer clear of twitter um <laughs> is probably the best thing i can advise that might um, be the best advice
0: for every day actually <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wish I followed my own advice, but I don't. And it just leads to petty
0: wars. That's right. So the Thunder lost yesterday afternoon here in OKC, 109-113 to the Houston Rockets. Uh, They they lost it in the fourth quarter. The Thunder haven't been great in the fourth quarter. They've held a double-digit lead in the third quarter of the past three games. They've really had control of the game. And then when Russ comes out, in that third quarter things slip away and that's happened consistently the last three games Uh, adam was there something in particular that you saw that you thought led to the to the loss yesterday um, or anything you'd like to highlight from the game
1: Uh, i think it starts off with something that you addressed on twitter post game is the the lack of a secondary playmaker so i think we, we all know that in the nine minutes that russ was off they were a minus 18 i mean trading in russell westbrook for norris cole is like trading in a high-end ferrari for a push bike that doesn't have wheels (laughs) so it was just it was a disaster and it wasn't it was like samaj kristen level bad in in some of those especially in norris's second spell and I think that's probably the biggest thing. But I also think that a lack of maturity, maybe from the young role players. I mean, Jeremy Grant's foul on Nene, which allowed for the n One little things like that that happened uh, with the poor execution for the Thunder in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Rockets weren't too much better. But unfortunately, they made the things, they made the shots that mattered. And uh, yeah, they gave OKC that L.
0: Yeah, and I think the big thing with Cole is that he was he was ready to put the team on his back offensively. Uh, which is maybe the worst thing that he could possibly do, and that's I guess that's the one thing for Samaj that you could say is that he knows that he should never ever do that, um, and let these other guys that are coming off the bench shoot, like give Ennis Kanter the ball a little bit more, who was also atrocious yesterday, um, and give these other guys a chance. But Cole came out firing, and it was it was just not working for him, and yeah, and and your the foul that, that Jeremy, I mean the Thunder would have had a chance. Uh, it would have been a slim chance. They would have had a chance had Jeremy Grant not fouled the Nene at the end there. Uh, there there were a lot of things in the game that the Thunder really, that you can point out. I mean, one is, I, I think that this is like the ultimate Robertson conundrum game because he was really good yesterday. And I think people are going to miss that because they're going to look at the fact that he was 2 of 12 from the free throw line. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, the dude had 13 points, five blocks, two steals, defended James Harden very well. He was one of two from three. But the fact that he can't shoot free throws is a problem. And between that four- and two-minute mark when they can intentionally foul him, I mean, it's just it's – it was a disaster.
1: It was. It really was. And um... – it was embarrassing for him, and I think that we'll get into this later a bit, but Billy Donovan probably left him in a bit too long. If you're going to drag him, just drag him. Don't wait it out until it starts to become a problem. And I just I felt bad for him, but unfortunately, it's a strategy that you can use. If you don't want it to happen to you, you need to hit your free throws, and unfortunately, Dre didn't. And I wouldn't say that that was a, a compounding factor in the loss, but it was a real momentum killer. Like It really felt like uh, OKC okay, so lost their grip on the game in those moments.
0: Right, that that you're right. That wasn't where they lost the game because it wasn't like the Houston Rockets ballooned to like a ten point lead during that time. I think they were like yes. a plus one or something like that during the time that they that he was at the free throw line. But you're right; it's a momentum killer, and it honestly, Robertson is such a he plays based on his confidence. And it just sucked the life out of him. Like you you know that he is so disappointed because it could have really helped the Thunder. I mean, it had he been able to make free throws. Obviously the the Rockets wouldn't implore such a strategy if it was gonna help the Thunder. Um, but he couldn't step up and hit his free, and hit his free throws. And it's a problem. Some people are like, Well, is this gonna you know, he, he can only make about six million a year next year now because he can't hit no, I mean we have a full body of work from Andre Robertson that says that he is, one, probably a top three defender on the perimeter in the entire NBA. Uh, he's also found ways to score in this series, which has been really impressive. He has, he's, a, he's a very good player. He's going to make 10 plus million for sure in the offseason just because he can play multiple positions and he defends and he, he doesn't take away a lot of possessions. So... He's, he's gonna make a lot of money, but it's, it really, it makes, it makes it tough. And you're right, a lot of this is on Billy Donovan. And we can go, go, let's go ahead and go into that segment. And this, today's segment, uh, of We Are Smarter Than Billy Donovan is sponsored (laughs) by Chicken Express. You can go to Chicken Express and get, a family meal and with that family meal you'll get a free gallon of sweet tea the sweet tea is so so good so you can get chicken strips you can get up to 30 chicken strips in the family meal with the free gallon of sweet tea uh, make sure that you get a side of biscuits and also gravy and you can save that biscuits gravy for your breakfast man also my wife pointed this out we got a family meal not too long ago and she uh, reheats the chicken It's still so good when you reheat it So if you want to get that free sweet tea And you don't have like a big family Or even by yourself Just just go ahead and get it And you can reheat it because it's delicious And go check out Chicken Express They're all around the Oklahoma City metro area All around Texas And uh, there's even one in Atlanta I think So go check out Chicken Express today And let's kick off our I'm Smarter Than Billy Donovan segment by talking about why in the world does he keep trying to play these backup point cards that are just complete garbage. Adam, help me.
1: We need to get we need to get Royce to come on and tell us about the data that the Thunder have got that explains that he can't that Russell Westbrook can't play long stretches. Otherwise, we just need to figure out what is the problem with staggering Vic and Russ's minutes. I mean, we know that Vic shoots a high percentage when Russ is actually off the floor. So I just don't understand why, through all of Billy Donovan's experimentation this season, which I actually like, because it's it's a good thing to do with young players, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: in all that experimentation, why not let Vic run the second unit more? It just doesn't make sense to me. That's probably the first starting point. Like why not do that?
0: Right. And what's funny, the, the answer that he gave was hilarious to me. He said that he didn't feel comfortable playing Vic ha- comfortable having Vic run the second unit. And I'm like, and you feel comfortable having Norris Cole run the second unit? Like, what was Norris Cole doing that was so special yesterday that Victor Oladipo that couldn't do?
1: NBA championship winning point guard Norris Cole. That's that's, 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 it's an important experience. We've learned through the Derek <laughs> Fisher years that championship experience is apparently uh, very overrated by NBA coaches. I just don't understand it. It's not always the answer. Like, right. give the guys a go. I think... I think Depot operates really well, handling the ball from the top of the key. He can get those elbow jumpers that he's so good at. I think he's really good in the mid range when he gets a feel for it. So why not get the ball in his hands a bit more and get his confidence up? It's clearly what he's needed when he's played sporadically, and his consistency's been an issue. So wouldn't that empower him more? That's just that's just my base theory. I mean, I'm not a qualified coach, but now this is this is the segment. We're smarter than Billy Donovan, so. Please try it. We have nothing to lose now. There is nothing to lose.
0: Right. And, I mean, the the Thunder, I mean, the, the game slips away during that time. So, like, why not try it? I mean, you have to play your best guys more in the playoffs. And, you know, look at Mike D'Antoni. Like, what is he doing? He's playing eight guys. He's He knows he yep. can't play Montrezl Harrell. He knows he can't play these other guys. And he knows that he's going to give his bench guys big minutes that deserve it, and he's going to play his starters a ton. And I mean, I don't. I mean, I think Billy's done a good job. I think he's a good NBA coach. This is also only his second year. I think he's still learning. Because I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. In a playoff setting, he's still. He was good last year, but he's still learning. And the playoff, the playoff matchups change over the years. The team changes over the years. And I just think that he's he's still learning how to adapt. Uh, but th- his. I mean, he needs to follow his own advice, and he can't play canter. He can't. I just don't play him those seven minutes and thirty-two seconds, and give the rest to Todd Gibson. Taj Gibson again, twenty-two minutes. Like I thought, we I thought we were past this. I thought we were past this. He was good, like it, and the foul trouble. The dude had three fouls the whole game. I know he had two fouls in the first quarter. Fine, if he. I mean, play the guy. I don't get it because he can he can get out on the perimeter and guard. Um, and Cantor's confidence is just—it's gone. I mean, he—he he cannot score on the block. He couldn't score on Ryan Anderson in the block. I mean, I that if that's—if he can't do that, then he has no purpose of being on the floor because Lou Williams was was targeting him over and over again while he was on the court. Uh, Cantor was—it it was a disaster when Ennis Cantor and Norris Cole were on the floor yesterday. You had know, Jeremy Grant and Abrinas and McDermott, like, that should be your bench. Like, that should be it because you have enough bigs yes. on there in, in the starting lineup and Jeremy Grant to get by. You have enough ball handling with Victor Oladipo still, and you have two really good shooters coming off the bench and Abrinas and McDermott. Like, that should be it, right? I mean, if I mean, I, I feel like I'm smarter than Billy Donovan when I say you should just play those eight guys <laughs> because the, the other guys just aren't aren't doing anything for the Thunder uh, Cole and Samaj shouldn't play. Clearly, Singler shouldn't play. And Ennis Cantor doesn't have a place in the series. If he can't muscle up on Ryan Anderson, and if he can't outplay Nene, who's 10 years older than him, if he cannot outplay Nene, then he shouldn't play.
1: No, you're exactly right. And. I think your Houston example was a great one. They've completely shortened their rotations and they're not suffering. They play as just a faster pace as the Thunder and they're not Mm -hmm. suffering. So it doesn't make sense to me. Those minutes that Cantor is playing and that Norris Cole is playing, it's like – I hope you've seen the Titanic, the greatest love story ever told, James Cameron. When the (laughs) iceberg hits the Titanic, that's what it feels like when OKC lengthens their rotations. It is just panic stations – Everyone is just hoping the ship doesn't sink. It is just – I just can't explain the panic. Like the panic of NBA Twitter, I mean OKC Twitter, in those minutes is just like people are scrounging. It's like a riot.
0: <laughs> it, I mean it is and kind of for good, <laughs> for good reason because, I mean, they, they have just – they have to survive those minutes. I mean they're a minus nine with Ennis Cantor in seven minutes. They're a minus 18 with Norris Cole out there. And it's because the the Rockets have confident guys coming off their bench, and it's not like, and and it's just funny because you, the Rockets and Mike D'Antoni like they they want to have a point guard out there, right? They want to play a point guard, but the guys coming off their bench, neither of them are point guards. Like they're both they're both like combo shooting guards, and you know the Thunder just they they need to look over and say, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing that's working so well? Oh, they're playing their best guys. I, I don't feel like it's really even that complicated. Like the Thunder just have to play their best guys more. Nobody was over 40 minutes last night. And you're right. I mean, I, I don't get it either. The, I mean, what the Thunder told Royce Young was that they, that they can't play Russ those heavy minutes like that. Well, what else are you going to do? I mean, what, is, what are the alternatives? A minus 18 for Norris Cole? That's your alternative when you have a double digit lead in the third quarter? Like, you just, you just gotta hang on. And I think, I think that Russ could probably handle it. I think he could probably handle playing three or four more minutes and playing after 42 minutes. And I think, I mean, clearly the Thunder need that. Uh, I think that, you know, Oladipo should play more minutes. I think that Adams could have even stayed to play more minutes yesterday. Uh, I, I don't know. Is it is it more complicated than that?
1: I don't think it is more complicated than that. They really have nothing to lose at this point. So they've just got to play their best guys, especially on the road where certain players have struggled. I mean, if like you said, if Ennis Caner can't score in the post against Nene, the way Nene is doing to him, and let's be honest, like Ennis Caner is a beast in the post offensively, and he should be taking care of Nene. And he's so like, why are you wasting his eight minutes and Norris Cole's nine minutes when every minute matters now? it's such a finely cut series that it doesn't make sense to keep doing that i mean what's the danger when russell westbrook ticks into 40 like i know he didn't do it all in the regular season unless the games went to overtime but like with the amount of timeouts and things like that especially late in games there's surely those minutes where he sits on the bench then and has his rest why does he need to come out of the game uh, necessarily at the start of the fourth quarter it's I, i just like i trust the coaching staff but it's hard not to question it when you see what's happening right now. Like, Surely there is a better solution. Like, I know Billy Donovan is working with what he has, but it's not working. So you have to make an adjustment. That's what the playoffs are all about.
0: Exactly, exactly. And the, and the starting lineup for the Thunder has been really, really good against Houston. I mean, they the front line is just killing. They killed Clint Capella and Ryan Anderson yesterday to, to the fact that they couldn't even play him really and they had to rely on their bench guys to come in and play they could not play capella yesterday and you know i thought capella could have a big series but adams really came alive yesterday um his offensive game was really good he had a lot of post moves he had was really good in the pick and roll he had that one dunk and transition on james harden that was incredible he was really good Uh, capella was a minus 25 yesterday in his 17 minutes ryan anderson also not playing well this series uh Going forward, that Ryan Anderson contract might not look so good for Houston. That actually might be a massive hurdle for them to overcome when it comes to team building over the next two or three years. But his minus nine was really hurtful. But then you look at the bench, those three guys come in. And, I mean, what a trade for for the Rockets to get Lou Williams (laughs) for that first rounder and Corey Brewer. I mean, if Corey Brewer was the guy, was the third guy for them, the Thunder might be up three to one right now. Themselves, Yeah. Um, but Lewis played really well. He was a plus 10 yesterday. He had 18 points in 31 minutes. Eric Gordon, 18 points in 36 minutes. And then Nene, who didn't miss a shot, 12 of 12 from the field, 28 points, 10 rebounds, one assist. Uh, I mean, that that's also an incredible pickup by the Rockets in the offseason because they're paying him nothing and he comes in and scores 28 points in the playoffs. I mean, that it's it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous.
1: Well, he becomes a Hall of Famer every time uh, he plays OKC. It's just <laughs> like <laughs> I, I noticed that Stephen Adams actually copped a lot of criticism in regards to Nene's performance. I don't know what you made of that, like with Adams' defensive Like I know that uh, Nene did get like a four offensive rebounds, particularly a couple of late ones which are important. But um, I didn't personally have a problem with how Stephen Adams played defensively. I thought he was quite good. Another thing on Taj Gibson as well, I mean, he's not – a he, like Stephen Adams, he's not a box score guy, so he's not going to stuff the stat sheet. That's, that's Russ's job. But what he really brings that's been important this series is his ability to switch on James Harden and be comfortable, mm-hmm. or comfortable enough by comparison. His perimeter defense in switches in this series has been invaluable because – at times, uh, OKC has been roasted on switches. In game one, they were completely destroyed on switches time and time again. James Harden just picked them apart. But I just don't understand. Like, we are noticing these things, but how, how is that not making an impact on the coaching staff's thinking?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, I thought I don't think the Adams deserved the criticism he got yesterday because I thought you're right. He played well, and one thing that the Thunder need Adams to do is to be a really good help defender, and he does that, and he did that really well yesterday. And the 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 fact is that that they're not going to Nene. It's not like they're throwing the ball down in the post like you know the Lakers did with Shaq and that he's just being scored on over and over and over again. Um, it was through breakdowns in the overall Thunder defense, not just Steven Adams' defense on him. It was a breakdown in the overall defense uh, for the Thunder and their inability to grab those rebounds and uh, losing Nene in a lot of ways. I mean, Nene's a smart, smart player. Um, and surely Steven Adams deserves some criticism um, for, for what Nene did yesterday, but he, he does not deserve a bulk of it. Um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um.
1: No, I don't think so. I think that I think that Adams is, I think he's due some criticism in some senses. That that contract is always going to be a talking point. Um, but I th- I put out this theory during game three. I think he's clearly carrying a back problem. The way he moves laterally is really quite restricted. I've noticed he's struggling to get across um, in certain situations. And I think that's where breakdowns come. And I think the other thing we know about the OKC defense is if you poke and prod enough, um, eventually you're going to find a breakdown. I think they've been a lot better with that in that this series. Um, and they've found a way to incorporate more minutes for Doug McDermott, who who has held his own in some senses. And um, Alex Sabrinath is coming along a little bit nicely. He's still definitely a minus defender. But uh, I think it's been nice to see that they've been able to get a few more minutes for them and not be destroyed on. On the defensive
0: end. Yeah, I thought that Doug McDermott really held his own yesterday. I mean, he he had some good rebounds. He spaces the floor really well, uh, and Abrines too. I mean, both those guys. I mean, McDermott's twenty five, so it's not like he's like super young and a guy that's going to develop a ton going forward. But I think defensively, like he can he can he still has a ways to go, and I think he can do it. I think that you look at a guy like JJ Redick who really improved um, kind of into his later twenties into a player that's really a starting caliber player. And I, I, don't, I don't think that McDermott's going to be quite as good as Redick. He's definitely not as quick, and they really don't have the same game. Um, but I think that you can kind of look like that, look to that as a model for a guy like that um, who can come in and probably defend a little bit better than people thought. And then Abrinas, man, I, I think that he's going to be really good. Uh, and I, I think that he deserves more of a chance in this series. I think that he's a really good shooter. And his defense, I mean, you're right. He defensively, he's not a plus, um, but he, I think that he could be, and that he's a, he's just a smart basketball player. He can, he gets his hands on a lot of balls. He's really, he's, he's just really good, and he's disruptive as a defender. Um, he's not going to shut anybody down. In fact, people are probably just going to run him over to the rim. Uh, But yeah, both those guys and Jamie Grant, like those three guys, and I mentioned this in a tweet, those guys, like those are really good finds. I mean, Grant and McDermott were kind of these like scrap heap uh, trade guys that were gotten on the cheap. And then uh, Avernus is a second round pick. So really good on on, uh, Sam Presti for getting those guys uh, in the manner that he did. Lincoln Lending understands that not all lenders are created equal. With the most competitive interest rates and highly trained professionals, Lincoln Lending will communicate and accommodate your every need throughout the home buying process. Getting approved has never been easier with Lincoln Lending's new mobile app and website. Download the Lincoln Lending app in the App Store and Google Play Store. Visit our website at www.lincolnok.com or call 799-LEND to apply today. Lincoln Lending not all lenders are created equal NMLS 398026
1: yeah but he lost James Harden so we can't we can't praise him he lost James Harden
0: you're right impossible James Harden and Kevin Durant are gone and he can make no move that's good ever because of that right
1: yes just completely that but that was a really good point about JJ Redick and I think both like you said both Dermot McDermott and Abrinas can, can learn from JJ Redick. One thing that JJ Redick does really well, that's made him uh, quite apt defensively is the fact that he never gets beaten on a screen. He always (coughs) fights through screens. And I think that Alex Abrinas actually shows quite a lot of effort and probably not toughness yet, but it's something he could bring into his game a little bit once he gets a little bit more physically built for the NBA. And I think that they can definitely learn from that. And that's, and like you said, that's a really good ceiling to aim for, but Then, like you said as well about Jeremy Grant, those are really nice pickups. Like, they are are pickups for nothing. Like, Ersan Sova, yes, he would have added more shooting to OKC, but he didn't really fit into the team. And to pick up Jeremy Grant, who they've got control of the contract, the same with Doug McDermott, those are good pickups. I mean, McDermott can be extended early this summer. He probably won't be considering what the Thunder are looking at to be quite active in the market and such but depending on what happens they might extend him before the deadline in october so and they considering his slow progress they might actually get him on a reasonable extension which would be good because he actually has a quite a ceiling and it wouldn't be a high risk deal for them so that's sort of a a shady point of intrigue to me that um i don't think we're focusing on right now because everyone's dreaming of blake griffin and paul george (laughs)
0: right yeah um be careful, Thunder fans, with your Blake Griffin and Paul George <laughs> fantasies. <Please> be careful. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's talk about this. We'll do one more. I'm smarter than Billy Donovan. Okay. I don't know that Billy Donovan had a plan for when they started intentionally fouling Robertson. It didn't feel like it. I could. Feel, I was in the building yesterday. I could feel the tension in Billy Donovan's soul from my seat. Because he just could not, like, he wanted to keep Robertson in because of his defense on James Harden. Totally get that. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of people. Everybody around me is like, why well, they just pull him out the game? What is he doing? Robertson's not any good, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I'm not going to talk to anybody about anything <laughs> right now. Um, he, he should have just pulled him. Like, if you're going to pull him at some point instead of just ride it out, like You you, you have to have the the plan to pull him immediately and keep the flow of the game going. And I guess uh, Harden had a gimpy ankle yesterday that, that he talked about as a, as a, one of the reasons why he didn't play well yesterday. I think most of the reason he didn't play well yesterday was because Andre Robertson. Um, yes. But uh, I think that you've got to try, at least for that two-minute stretch, to trust somebody else. Uh, because the flow of the game, the confidence... Um, that it really zapped away from robertson i think that those things really matter down the stretch of the game and uh billy just needed to have a plan whether it was ride it out and you know let robertson shoot free throws until the two minute mark or just pull him immediately uh but he did he he did this dance where he really didn't he did both and it was really not helpful
1: That's an interesting point that you made about how it felt in the building because watching it on TV, it felt awkward. It felt like a freezing moment for Billy Donovan. I don't know whether the plan was let's hope that he makes the first couple and that they stay away from that tactic or Mm -hmm. whether they were happy that the fact that it was slowing the game down in Houston weren't able to get out in transition, opening up how they hit their threes or what, but it felt like he let it carry on at least one or two more possessions without even so much as a reaction. Like, he sent out Jeremy Grant, what felt like way too late. I mean, we all know yep. that it was way too late. And at that point, Roberson's confidence was sapped. So to take him out at the start would have just felt tactical. But by the end, it was because he just couldn't hit a free throw. So like I'm normally a staunch defender of Billy Donovan during games. I think you judge him on the body of work, not certain incidents. But in a playoff game like that, where the series was on a knife edge, he's due criticism because that was a mistake.
0: Yeah, and some would say, well, it probably not help Robertson's confidence to take him out immediately. Uh, but the, what happened at the line? Not only missing them—that's embarrassing. But there's a there's a video floating around um, of the the Houston Rockets bench like dying of laughter, like at him as he misses these free throws. That's like a professional and as a man, like if those things—I ha- mean, that's that's horribly embarrassing—and everybody's seeing it. And it's it's not it's just an awful look for him. I don't think it's really going to cost him money. I really don't think that those those are minutes that are, that you know guys are going to look at and say, well, you know, we really thought Robertson could hit his free throws, but it turns out he can't. I mean, of course, Robertson can't hit his free throws. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, but I think just. The confidence that it could zap from him. Because Robertson was playing with extreme confidence yesterday. He was making moves on offense that he really shouldn't be making. Um, (laughs) There was one transition uh, layup that he had toward the beginning of the game that I was really kind of surprised at because it was like a two-on-one. And typically, Robertson will give that up really easily, even to the extent of, you know, turning the ball over uh, because he doesn't want to have to, you know, go to the rim. But he he went to the rim with confidence. He was making moves. He was super confident. But I I, I'm hopeful that those moments don't zap his confidence for the next game. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it did,
1: especially in a road game where the Houston fans will be going berserk. It'll be far worse than what Houston's bench players were doing, which I didn't love yeah. um, personally. Um, I tweeted about it, and I got roasted, absolutely roasted by Twitter for it. But um, I just, yeah, I'm really hoping he comes out as aggressive as he has been because he's been OKC's second-best player in this playoff series. Oh, yeah. Like far and away, like, I don't think it's been close. Like, Taj has been good, but I don't think he's come close to the to the two-way production. So, but that being said, Heading onto the road, OKC to win this game have needed what they've needed all series, which is their role players to essentially play as close to perfect as they can because that's the only way they're going to win this series.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, and they've they've got to get more from Victor Oladipo, and I at this point I don't know that they're going to. I mean, he's he played playing at home. You'd think that he would get a little bit more and get a little bit more of a chance to shine. Uh, he shot the ball well yesterday. You know, he was 7 for 10 from the field. Uh, but you, all season, I just feel like Vic has left you wanting more. Like, please, like create more. Create your own shot more. Shoot better. Um, you know, and he's shot the ball well over the season. I, I don't think that that should be a complaint. Uh, but, but I feel like his game has kind of left the Thunder wanting more. Um Let's talk about Russell Westbrook a little bit and then we can kind of go for some predictions for the rest of the series. 35, 14, and 14, three steals, a block, only five turnovers. Uh, He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, 10 of 28 from the field. He was three of eight from three. Uh, I feel like Russ did everything that he could yesterday. He played in control of himself. He had a triple-double at halftime. He, He was incredible and it... To me, I don't think that there's a lot of criticism that should go to Russ for these games. I feel like Russ is such an easy target um, for a lot of people in the media and a lot of fans. He's just an easy, an easy target. But this is, to me, this is not a game where you should criticize Russell Westbrook. This is a game where you should look at his backup and say, well, that's where they lost. Um, Russell Westbrook was absolutely phenomenal yesterday and he in putting up historic numbers for the playoffs, people don't do this in the playoffs. People don't get 35, 14, 14 uh, lines in the playoffs, but uh, Russ continues to, to create history this season.
1: Yeah. I don't think he's due much criticism at all. I mean, Probably the only thing, and I think Royce alluded to it during the game, is that at at one point, I believe in the third quarter, he was slowing the ball down and going into the post because he drew three fouls on Patrick Beverly in a row. It might (laughs) have been early in the fourth, in fact. I can't remember the exact moment off the top of my head, I think because I'm blocking out memory of the game now. But (laughs) I I think that, that that would be the only thing. But I think with Russ, OKC aren't ever in a position to win without him. And I think that the minutes that he's off the court is only to point more to his value because his OKC aren't necessarily a disaster without him, but their backup point guards certainly are. And I just think it's such an easy, cheap target. So now all of a sudden, um, a week after the season's ended and we're a week into the playoffs, Russell Westbrook is no longer the MVP because we're finding out things we already knew about Oklahoma City. But because um, we live in this echo chamber of Twitter where um, we're so reactionary, um, we've already forgotten the things that he did in the regular season. Forgetting the MVP is an individual award. Um, Now LeBron is supposed to be MVP, even though he was a clear fourth during the season. Um, It's just amazing how easy we search for targets. I think it's the same with what we were speaking to with Stephen Adams earlier. We just just play pin the tail on the donkey with whoever we want to criticize, with what's convenient at the time. Because in the first half, Russ was sensational. Like people will now forget that he had a triple double in the first half of a playoff game. (laughs) Like you can say he shot the ball too much in the second half, but I just why why do we constantly search for a negative narrative? I mean, OKC aren't in the game without him, so I just it it doesn't make sense to me. I think we can go on all day with that.
0: Yeah, without without a doubt, you're right, and and. I guess he's an easy target just because of his style of play, and if he was hitting more threes or more efficient or whatever, it's it's people don't people don't talk about it. But because of the fact that he doesn't shoot the ball well, um, a lot of games people it's he's easy to criticize. But uh, he's very helpful to this team. I think he's more valuable to the Thunder than he is than uh, Harden is to the Rockets because you look at Harden's line yesterday and what Harden did for most of the game was that he was. Pretty ineffective, uh, but he's got these other guys on the team that can help keep him afloat and keep the Rockets afloat. Well, Russell Westbrook doesn't have that, and he still almost won the game. Um, so, uh, Russ is incredibly valuable, and I, I think some of this you can blame the the NBA for for doing this awards show in June, June 26th. Why would you do a regular season awards show? <laughs> after the playoffs are over like that makes no sense at all you should do it the, like the friday before the playoffs start to like celebrate the regular season and celebrate you know what what happened or just scrap the whole idea and just do it like you did before because what a what a moment that would have been to award Russ the mvp in the Chesapeake Energy Arena uh, in front of the runner up James Harden like that's, that's like, that's what everybody wants, right? I mean, yeah. by the, the, the air is going to be completely let out of the balloon. I mean, the, the Thunder are going to lose in the first round. And the MVP race, like, it's going to be forgotten. We're going to get to the end of the season, and it's going to be LeBron or the Warriors or somebody standing there at the end holding the trophy, and they're like, well, do we do this MVP thing wrong? It's like, no, this is the regular season, guys. It's a regular season award, and people are still, for some reason trying to debate the mvp now it's like well sorry guys that's not what this is for the mvp is not for the playoffs it's not for how you even play in the playoffs um and people are like well i really regret my mvp vote now come on i mean th- th- why this that shouldn't even be a conversation because these games are not the evaluation point for the mvp no they're
1: not and we we're Like I said earlier as well, we're finding out things we already knew. We already knew Kawhi was great and a single-handedly leading the Spurs offense for the most part. I mean, they're really struggling without him. We knew LeBron was doing sensational things and dragging Cleveland through defensive slumps. We knew James Harden was the focal point of the Houston offense, but he had role players who would step in for him. And we knew Russ was the, the at the hub of everything that OKC did, and they would go as far as he could take them like it 's nothing new but because the thunder are losing now, it changes that narrative and Unfortunately, um, we in Oklahoma City resent narratives because uh, they 've never favored us over the years, but <laughs> yeah it's, it's just it 's very frustrating, and like you said, probably the best thing that could have happened with everything that 's going on this season and the past off season would have been Russell Westbrook getting to celebrate the MVP with the fans. And they have been so loyal to him this season. And he has constantly praised them, like after the games, every time they speak to me, so grateful, things like that. That would have been a really special moment after everything that the Thunder have been through this season. Um, and now they're pretty much robbed of that because the, the air sucked out of the other building, like you said, and he'll be giving it to him in June when he'll be wanting to go on holiday. And I don't think his speech will be as grateful now as it would have been in April.
0: Right. And let's talk big picture a little bit before, we, before we're done. So the Thunder lose the second-best player in the NBA. They lose a chance to make this championship juggernaut, and it's kind of ripped from them unexpectedly. And typically when that happens to a franchise, when you lose a player of that caliber with the ability to go get other players that are really good, uh, it's devastating. But the Thunder have done something that's really kind of unprecedented: is that you have a guy like Russ on the team already, but he's able to go and win the MVP, and you still make the playoffs, and you still have this really, really young team. I mean, this is a lot of people like to make weird comparisons, like to the Cavs whenever LeBron left. It's like no, (laughs) like this is like that couldn't that could be that's the farthest thing from the truth. This is a young team; they all their best players. Um, outside of Russell Westbrook, are under twenty or twenty-five or younger. Uh, this team still has a lot of growing to do itself. Uh, Sam Presti has a lot of work to do this summer. He's 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 got to do something within his canter. He's got to find a backup point guard. Um, those those two things in my mind are the things that he needs to do most. But this season has been wildly successful for the Thunder to be a team that everyone is still very interested in. For them to have the MVP, for them to make the playoffs, and sure, we're used to more playoff success, but that's kind of where the we're a little bit spoiled as a fan base, and that the Thunder always have deep playoff runs, and we're entering a new era. You have to, we need to start thinking of this as year one, and I think that that's kind of a hard mindset to get into, but it is. It's year one in the rebuild Russell Westbrook era. And the Thunder are gonna build a team that makes sense around Russ. And I feel like we've seen glimpses of it in this playoff stretch. And that they're putting more shooting around him. They're playing a McDermott with Russ. And you can see like the freedom that he has with, with the space. And that's like the ultimate destiny of this Thunder team is to be a lot like the Rockets. And that they have all this shooting, they have a really good defensive center. Um, And they have a wing that's versatile, kind of like Ariza to Oladipo, I think is a pretty decent comp. And they're going to be very similar, and they should be. Like, they should play very similar. Um, But the Thunder aren't there yet. They have, I mean, McDermott isn't really ready to play big minutes. Abrinas, he's a rookie. It's easy to forget that he's a rookie, but he is. Uh, The Thunder have a lot of work to do, um, but big picture... The Thunder have been wildly successful this season.
1: Yeah, and I think that does get lost. I think um, we get really into Vegas over and unders when we talk about how a team's done in this season, but OKC have survived um, a couple of injuries to Victor Oladipo, and we know how important he's been in terms of offensive flow, um, particularly with a lack of, of guys to handle the ball. Um, Stephen Adams missed games, Ennis Cantor obviously missed games, and that really killed the bench in that stretch. Uh, I think that big picture, this is probably a 50-win team on paper, uh, mainly down to Russell Westbrook. Otherwise, they're probably a 25-win team. Mm -hmm. But I think big picture, things are looking really good. Like you said, they're probably aiming for something in the vein of Houston where you have a high-usage leader and you place guys around them that are low-usage, hopefully shooters, but OKC are probably more pushed towards athleticism over shooting but hopefully they can get a bit of both next season because just athleticism is not entirely working. But I think it'd be nice this offseason. I mean, people dream of Paul George, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin is um, far more likely than Paul George. Okay, so they just don't have the assets. And I think most of the NBA is accepted he's pretty set on going to LA. Yeah. Uh, but and realistically, pulling off a trade for Paul George when so many other teams can offer far superior packages. Like, what are you going to offer? A bonus Sabonis, Sabrinas, and a first round pick? Like, it's just not going to, Like, it's it might work in the trade machine, I don't even know, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going yeah. to happen. So, what can you do? You, you've got a pick it in the 20s, uh, you can probably throw in a talented young player and some salary and try and get a, a wing scorer this summer and then sign a an experienced guard in free agency. I mean, it's year one, like you said. I mean, people want to swing for the fences and jump back into contending, but that's NBA 2K. That's not right. That's not real life.
0: Right. Uh, one last thing. The, this is um, – with the Hacker Robertson, there is also the, the rip-through three-point shooting. It's not even the rip-through. Um, catching the guy in the air, catching somebody with their hand in the cookie jar and just throwing something up. I mean – there were a couple that were just egregious. One was uh, Todd Gibson got James Harden. He was hedging up on a screen. Harden like catches his arm barely. Harden just throws it up, three free throws. Uh, the next one was Lou Williams with Victor Oladipa defending him. <laughs> this was this was awful. And in in the arena, they showed the replay over and over and over again of of a foul and it happens and it just gets the Thunder fan base just so mad, <laughs> especially on that one. Vic, like, touches him initially, but then completely backs off, and then Williams just just throws up a shot. Not even his intention and, when he started was not to shoot. And he
1: shoot. his arm as well. Right. Like, he he goes into Oladipo's space, not his own. Like, yes. it's, it's one of the confusing things about it.
0: Yes, and, and those six points, because they made all free throws. I mean that that was a game changer um, at the time, and it's it's really what won the game. And I think the league has got to take a hard look at those those fouls this summer. And you know, Russell Westbrook is just as guilty of these yep. plays where he catches a guy in the air, he'll jump right into him, and then shoot the ball. It's like I mean, we the the league has got to start. And they have done this in the past. They did it with the Kevin Durant rip through, and they they have to do it with this too. You have to eliminate things like that that just aren't basketball plays. And those aren't basketball plays. Those are taking advantage of the rules, finding a loophole. Uh, and it's it does not look good for the NBA. If you're just a casual fan and you're watching the game, you're like, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the foul. Or I don't see why? Why did they do that? Um, it's not a basketball play, and the league has to do something about it.
1: Yeah, they really do. It for me, it uh, you can feel the frustration in the crowd. I'm sure for you, it would have been frustrating um, being in there, especially for what the atmosphere would have been like. But for me, it's a it's a really poor. Uh, it creates a really poor viewing experience.
0: It's yes. just like it's yes. like
1: as a as a soccer fan, I watch players dive, and everyone knows how much how much diving gets criticised because that's what critics of soccer say about it. But it's just it's just really bad, and it's the same with Westbrook, like you said, when he jumps into players who, who he's faked out and things like that. To me, it's not a basketball move. at least the rip through was a basketball move.
0: Mm-hmm. To
1: me, none of these are. Um, and it's just like I don't expect the NBA to step in tomorrow and outlaw it, but hopefully we don't go into next season with the same uh, polarizing rules because it's it's just it's exploitation and then people point to James, people constantly point to James Harden's efficiency when his shooting numbers are actually not that different to Russ's, but he just has so many more free throws like to have a hundred and I think it was 149 three point fouls this season is just ridiculous. Like he shouldn't have more than one a game. That is just, it's, it's almost an embarrassing look for the league. It yeah. really is.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's not good. And I know that rockets fans probably enjoy it just like the thunder fans, like the Kevin Durant rip their move. But there is always a feeling with the Durant rip through that it's like, ah, we're really kind of getting away with something here, guys. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's the same thing with Hart. And I expect the league, the league has been really good about correcting these problems. And if they become talking points, they don't want that to be what people are talking about. They don't want people talking about these fouls. But the truth is that people, everybody should be talking about it today, uh, because it really swung the game. And those things shouldn't have happened. Those should be, at the most sideline out of bounds and probably I mean for sure that Lou Williams call that should have been a no call. If you want to call, call Fallon Todd Gibson um and give the give the Rockets, you know, another try at a possession fine. I think that that's fine, but giving him three free throws and six six points um that the Rockets really needed to beat the Thunder, uh, I think that that's it's kind of a disaster. Um
1: actually Okay, so one more thing about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OKC okay, so you know the rules. The players know the rules. Get your hand out of the cookie jar. I would rather let them elevate for the shot and at least get a hand in the contest. It's a little bit further away. Like, they know the rules. Like, Gibson's, Gibson had his back turned. Like, that wasn't a foul on him. But they have still fouled three-point shooters. Like, you know what the That's rules true. are. Sergio Barker has left town. He's in Toronto now. No more three-point fouls.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Oh, I can't even think about that Serge box three-point shot. Um, <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at Adam Joseph Sport. And if you love the NBA, and I'm sure you do if you're listening to this, you need to go check out 16 Wins a Ring. It's the number 16 com. Really good source for really the entire NBA. If you're wanting to catch up on other playoff series that you haven't had a chance to watch, it's a great place to go read and check out um some interesting articles and some breakdowns of the game so um adam anything else to plug
1: uh no i've got my so just to troll everyone who's not an okc fan if you want to get angry go read my mvp column it is pinned <laughs> on my twitter um otherwise congratulations to down to dunk on uh, the the new daily thunder news i'm really stoked for you guys yeah
0: thank um, I think you it's gonna
1: be really exciting with up the thunder so yes. um obviously shep's a really great guy and dylan and all the boys so yes. we're looking forward to what that's going to look like so thanks for having me on it was an honor
0: awesome yeah just just get ready because there's some big things coming for daily and uh the thunder will likely lose the series but keep your heads up thunder fans because this this team has a long way to go as far as developing and as far as team building and i think they're going to be all right so have a great monday and we will talk to you guys after game five